Welcome to the podcast, Let the Prophet Speak. Today, I am going to discuss the last two chapters, chapter 9 and 10, where we read of the revolt of Yehu against the house of Ahav. And um, if you recall, we pointed out as we studied chapters 9 and 10, and I strongly recommend listening to the last five podcasts in which we read chapters 9 in three parts and chapter 10 in two parts, and listen to the, some of the points and questions that I raised as we read through it. So, um, But I'm going to point out some of these again. Number one, this is really a continuation, right? This chapter is, is, is the end of the story, which really began at the end of Eliyahu's career, right? Where Eliyahu was told <coughs> by God, Elijah was told by God, that um, um, after Eliyahu had said, Kano Hashem, I have been moved by zeal, by, <coughs> by zealousness for God. Right? God told Eliyahu um, to, number one, go to Damascus and appoint Chazoel the king. Number two, appoint Yehu ben Nimshi king over Israel. And number three, appoint Elisha ben Shaphat the the uh, as the navi who the prophet who's going to take over for you right and after that god says that those that are saved from Hazael will be killed by yehu in other words revenge will then be taken against the house of ahab um so the um and god discusses the, the vengeance which he's going to take against the people who worship baal etc now um the, the events of chapters 9 and 10 is really the end of this story. But there's some curious things that happened in this chapter that, that raise a lot of questions and, and make one think. First of all, if this is Elisha's job, right? Elisha's job was to appoint Yehu king in order to take down the house of Ahab. Why didn't Elisha go himself? Now, why did he send a student? That was, this is one question that really starts one thinking. Another thing is, who is this Yehu, right? Yehu, <clears throat> who speaks himself repeatedly saying, Kinesi Lashem, he uses the words, the exact words that Eliyahu used when he was told this, this um, nevuah, this prophecy. Yehu, and Yehu repeats again and again, I'm doing this because God has had predicted this in the, uh, to Eliyahu. God has said this to Eliyahu. God said this to Eliyahu, and therefore I'm doing this. Now, um, the um, uh, so 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 who is this Yehu, right? And um, you know, so I've seen suggested in some commentaries uh, that that and the connection between Yehu and the Bnei Hanaviim seems to suggest. Now, this is one place where I know I'm kind of going out on a limb here, but I, I um, it has been suggested by some modern scholars that it's very possible that Yehu was at one point a member of the Bananaviim, maybe under Eliyahu, Elijah, maybe under Elisha. But then he at some point went into the army and moved up the ranks and became an officer. If you recall, some of the hints that this should be the case. And again, I, I recommend that you listen to, because I dropped a lot of these hints while we studied together, that it seems like um, 
you know, everybody knew that Yehu was the guy who would one day stand up and rebel against the king, or at least potentially may do so. Probably because it was known that Yehu was was an ally, or at least at some point in his life, had tendencies towards Eliyahu and Elisha and that entire school, which were known to be <coughs> the sworn enemies of Ahav in their house, right? <coughs> the other thing that I pointed out was that Elisha has, had, doesn't show up at all during all of this occurrence. He gets Yehu appointed through a proxy, but then he disappears. He's gone. He's not there. If you also recall, back when we discussed the life of Eliyahu and the, when we, in the episodes where we discussed how Eliyahu was taken up to heaven, right? we suggested, and this was based on our readings there, that Eliyahu, because of his zealousness, was in danger of going too far. And God therefore took Eliyahu. Oh, Eliyahu was truly zealous for God, unlike Yehu who started off with zealousness for God but ended up carrying it way too far, Eliyahu himself was in danger of going down that path and God took him before that could happen and which we suggested back then is the reason why Eliyahu is then the one who comes to be a harbinger of peace, of heishiv levavot albonim, bring peace among families because Eliyahu is then comes to rectify the mistakes that he began to make and could have made much worse, right? And we, we suggested that we talked about that in more depth. If we think about that, and then we also followed through, and, and those of you who have been listening to my discussion of the career of Elisha throughout this entire book, the second book of Kings so far, Elisha started off wanting to be just like Eliyahu, wanting to be twice as zealous as Eliyahu was. But over time, if you've been following carefully, we've read about the evolution of Elisha from being the one who, uh, the, who summoned bears to kill a bunch of kids that were making fun of him, right? To being someone who could barely even fulfill the direct commandment of God, which was to command, to, to anoint Chazael, right, as the king of Aram, so that he should be the instrument of the destruction of the house of Ahab. And Elisha could barely bring himself to do that. He burst out in tears crying because of the suffering of his people that he saw. Elisha didn't, you can t he, he half-heartedly was hardly able to fulfill God's command because he, was, he felt so awful about the terrible suffering that was going to be caused. Despite the fact that he knew and understood that the suffering was on a, on a, uh, on desert, it was deserved considering the corruption of the people but he still could not tolerate and could not live with that. Elisha became the one who refused to kill the enemy when they were helpless because these are prisoners of war. They're helpless now. There's no reason to kill them anymore. Give them food, give them drinks, send them home. Elisha became the one who was ready to roll up his sleeves and help his students work to build a, a, new, a new, new home for themselves. Elisha, we saw his evolution from one that was full of zealousness to a person that was kind to the poor, a person who went out of his way to help his people, a person who went out of his way to, to be compassionate and kind. So it makes sense. When Elisha saw that Yehu was going to, was in Yehu did not have to take this path. Yehu could have learned the lesson of Elisha, but instead Yehu took that zealousness that started off probably as a true zealousness for God, and then Yehu carried it way off into the wrong direction. 
Yehu was the culmination of where Eliyahu could have went, but didn't because he was taken up. And, and because God knew that Eliyahu was a true servant of God and God did not allow him to go down that path. However, Yehu was, was set free and then he ended up getting worse and worse and worse going in the wrong path. And if you think that I'm just saying this and it doesn't make sense, I do want to bring to you what, what was God's true view of what Yehu did, right? Remember, we had a verse that seemed to sound like God saying to Yehu, because you have done that which I asked. And Yehu kept on saying, you have done that which I asked. But a, a prophet, just a few generations later, a famous prophet, Hosea, in the book of Hosea, who was a prophet who prophesied in the northern kingdom several generations from now, at the time, around the time when the uh, descendants of Yehu were ending their career, when the house of Yehu was about to go into the dustbin of history, Hosea gave the following prophecy in the first chapter of Hosea. By Yomar Adonai Love, God said to Hosea, Kiroshimo Yisrael, I want you to call your son Jezreel. And where does Jezreel start to make us think about? All of these episodes, this wanton murder and slaughter that occurred in Jezreel at the hands of Yehu. Ki od ma'at, because soon ufakadati, I am going to punish as to Yisrael, the blood that was spilled in Yisrael, al I'm going to take revenge on the house of Yehu. So that promise, which seemed to be a reward of four generations of, of kingdom of Yehu, is actually no. God is saying, I'm going to stop it after four because I'm going to punish you for the blood that you spilled. Vihishbati, I'm going to destroy it, that that that. That, that kingdom, Malchus based Israel, from being a kingdom over Israel. And on that day, I'm going to break at Keshet Israel, the bow of Israel, Israel, the bow of Israel, the bow that's reminiscent of the bow that Yehu used in the valley of Jezreel to kill, to kill the descendant of Ahav, to kill Yehoram. I'm going to avenge that. Because what Yehu did was wrong, was bad. In the end, he had to suffer for it. And that is why his kingdom only lasted for four years. So I'm not just making that up. I'm saying that's because Hosea said this, because God said it himself to Hosea, to the prophet Hosea, that Yehu had, was not carrying out the will of God when he did all this murder. Yes, the beginning of it, maybe. But once he went way past what God wanted, once he went on the path of what he thought was zealousness, but what actually was just wanton murder and bloodlust, right? That meant that everything he did was nothing. Even the bow that he used to execute Yehoram was bad because his intention was just bloodlust and revenge. And that is not what God wants. And that is why the house of Yehu meant to be destroyed. And eventually... Um, the entire northern kingdom of Israel was destroyed. And that is why, as we read, uh, the kingdom of Yehu did not, go so, did not go well. That was the beginning of the end of the northern kingdom in general. Now, um, the other things we see here is you know, why the understanding of this verse, Meshuga, craziness. Because the craziness is when Yehu just acts just out of lust, out of anger, without thinking. Um, and everything now makes sense. Why does Elisha not appear in this chapter? Elisha doesn't appear because Elisha wanted nothing to do with this. Because this is not what Elisha wanted. Had Yehu done what he was supposed to, which would have included some killing. It would have 
included killing those that, that were truly guilty, then Elisha almost certainly would have been very involved. He would have been very proud to be taking part in something like that. But this bloodlust, even the killing of the Nevi Habal and during the ceremony, right, where, where, where this fake ceremony that Yehu called all the worshippers of Baal together, <coughs> that was reminiscent of, of Eliyahu's killing of the, of the Nevi Habal at Harakarmel when it was unnecessary and was uncalled for. But that was done out of a so-called zealousness for God, which God never asked for, which is why God in the end held it against Yehu, as we saw in the verses of Hosea that I just quoted to you. So, um, so this is the um, the understanding of the story of Yehu. Somebody who starts with zealousness that may have been true, but then goes meshuga, goes crazy, and carries it way beyond what God would would ever have wanted, what God would ever have asked for, and then ends up paying the price. So this is my uh, postscript to the story of Yehu. Uh, and what I think we should take out of this story and the lessons that I think we should learn. And um, as difficult as these things are to read, these lessons are extremely important and extremely relevant to all of us. Thank you so much for studying the story of Yehu together with me. Looking forward to studying the rest of the Book of Kings and have a wonderful day.